I'll tell you, when we sat down and really thought about how we were going to become the world, like a world top five brand, the IPO wasn't there for the financing. It was that we absolutely like Tesla. Oh, yeah. Think about it. Tesla has an army of people that are willing to fucking die with Tesla. They, they, they fight. They, they legislate. Fight. They fight. They do everything. Like, they do everything. And I respect the fuck out of that. Yeah. I respect no bullshit. Yeah. I don't think it's bullshit. No. Everybody's sitting here talking about that it's fraud, it's fraud, it's fraud. Man, the problem is is that the world thinks this thing is all about cash flow. If that was true, art wouldn't have a value. Mm. Why does art keep going up in value? It doesn't produce fucking anything. It sits on a fucking wall and does nothing, but the values keep increasing. Why? Because two people are willing to transact at a certain price and there's a value that's been denominated because of our crazy human abstracts. I do agree over the long time, cash flows are the most important thing. But when you have an army of people that understand that Elon is literally trying to decrease the cost, Electric cars are unsustainable, and he said that. Now, the only way to sustain it is to build factories of capacity that allow the battery cost to go lower. If you believe in that, you believe in Tesla. It's that fucking simple. And the army bets into it. And they bet into it because they see the future value of what's trying to be created. People that buy Teslas buy the fucking clothes, the the hats, the this, the stocks. They will go to war. And that's what brand is. the hottest thing. Shout out Elon. Just show Just everything. Just show everything. Everything. And that's, that's what we the did. Key word. And so people everything. really started getting interested. They're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, people are like, <laughs> what are you guys doing? I'm Jake the Rover. My life goal is simple. WWE star called Mr. America. My name is Leslie Carls. My nickname is The Panda. And I run this ship. Nick Just Nick. Can I get a midday squares? Okay, three, two, one. We are live. It is Thursday, midday squares uncensored. We talk about It's Friday. It is Friday. It is Friday. <laughs> we talk about chocolate, family business, entrepreneurship, and whatever fucks are on our mind. You know what's you know what literally hit me in the shower this morning? No joke. I was getting prepared to come do this with you guys. We don't actually ever talk about much chocolate on the show. It's true. Well, I actually watched Charlie and the Chocolate Factory last night. <laughs> The first time ever. Jake, for the first time ever, is exhausted in the studio. His eyes, He's claiming this he morning that glasses. he's not exhausted. No. He doesn't talk into the microphone. No, Jake, we need tired. you to talk not, into the microphone. Not mic- tired. I'm the only one that gets up early here and goes to bed late and still manages to function at full capacity. 150%. 100%. It's called being healthy. Okay, but the truth <laughs> is, though. <laughs> you like that, eh? You guys Babe, like it. you don't drink low, any water. Low blows. It's low blows. Low blows. That aren't healthy. Jake. I think we got to, so we've yet to do it, but we really got to do this. You read all kinds of books. So every every time we start the show, we're going to just let the audience know what you're reading. So what are you currently reading? So I just finished today, Made to Stick, great book about, you know, what stories stay and how to, you know, get people to remember ideas. Could you give us the Coles notes? Oh, I don't even know what Coles notes is. Too no, just like too a, young for that. Give us like two, th- yeah, you are too young. I, <laughs> you actually are too young for that. That's what's fucked up. Give us three points to sum the book. Or even Credibility, one. emotion, and um, unexpected are ways to keep stories from to stick in people's minds. So we could obviously go into detail another time. But my next book is Setting the Table, recommended by uh, the founder of Nut Bar. She, she recommended it to me and uh, Michelle. So we're both reading it, actually, which is going to be like a, a book review type of uh, activity for us. 
The Reading Club. The Reading Club. Oh, Michelle's our VP of sales, by the way. <laughs> Retail operations. Yeah, same thing. Michelle Percini coming over from <laughs> Vega and Smart Suites. She's a babe. Wee- Look her up. We're going to have her on the show soon. Les. Hello. What what's what's going on today? Because it's it's a special it's a spe- it's a turning of the guard for you. Okay, so here it is. I'm turning thirty on Sunday. Oh my fucking! Are you old? I'm old. Like honestly, I'm old. And what I'm like, like I can't. I'm a little bit rattled. So we've been seeing Jim this yes. week. Actually, we've seen him twice. Um, and basically, you guys always see him twice yeah, a week. It's I see him once, guys. Only once. By Thursday, I'm drained. Can you guys just say what happened yesterday in the session? How you guys didn't you didn't show up on time? Fifteen well, minutes later. Well, let me first get into to what's going on. And then yeah. So it's basically, disgusting. straight up, my alarm just didn't go off. It's not right. It's not right. It isn't right. right. It isn't right. Nick's it come late to therapy twice this week. Even for me, he's like, oh, we have Jim. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm scheduling uh, errors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go. So basically, it's my thirtieth birthday on Sunday, September twenty seventh, and. I'm coming to a new decade, a new era, and it's it's definitely hitting me. I mean, like Jim says, he's like, where's all this coming from? And we were talking about, you know, our vision about midday squares and about what we're going to be. You were depressed, though. I was depressed. And I think I'm depressed because... You're definitely not depressed today. No, I'm no, not no, depressed no, today because no. there's a lot of fun things going on this weekend. Mm-hmm. But, but basically, Ooh. I was depressed because COVID... Is really getting to me and where the world's at and and the the suffering that humans go through and I guess as I get older I just start seeing everything a lot differently and I start seeing situations for what they really are I think when you're younger you're in your own bubble depending on where how you were raised or where you were raised or what your circumstances were but in the way I was raised I felt like I was in this bubble and and now as I'm getting older and seeing what's going on there's just so much suffering and I think that was hurting me this week um, and then I was just thinking about like, okay, like I'm 30 and, you know, I want to start a family soon and we have this thing going on midday squares and it's just a lot of stress, you know? The reality um, is, is you can't really start a family at this point in the game. It's it's just, we, we I see with our siblings, it's... I have the biggest advantage. Um, I'm I'm young. Um, people are asking okay, me about... Okay, Jake, no, you're not that no, much younger. No, three, I'm three years from Leslie, but like, I think something is important here because I was... Someone came out the other day when I turned 27 in August and they're like... Such an irrelevant age. No, yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. No, but they said to me, very simple, they're like, aren't you old? They feel old. And I was like, what are you guys talking about? I used to have... This, I think there's this like societal anxiety on like you know, as you get older, you should be more, you know, you should worry more, you should think more, but like, it doesn't work like that. Like, I feel the same as I was when I was 23, to be honest, and it hasn't changed. I wasn't what I love stressed, about you. but I wasn't stressed about the question. And I said to they said there, why, why do you like not even give a shit? I was like, because there's no reason to give a flying fuck because life is life and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And it doesn't just change because you're 28, 29, 30. Yeah. You want to have a family. I guess society says families come between what, 25 and no, 35, 25 and 40? I'm just, no, I think 25 is really young. I'm, I mean, I'm just ready in the sense that I want, so basically I have PCOS, which is polyp, uh, cis, ovarian, whatever, this thing on my ovaries. You always denied it though. Yeah, but I do have it. So who told you you had it? The doctor. I don't know. What my the, gynecologist and Felicia, Felicia Wexler Carls. With the Carls family, the Carls family. The Carls family. With the Carls family, everything's very, very questionable. 
Um, Les, I want you to get into this quick because we want to get into the show. And today's show is going to be about IPOs. Oh, yeah, so but I, I, I think that a lot of people like this is a big topic. And I know that you guys are not women, but basically I do have PCOS. And I'm, I'm worried that, you know, if I wait too much longer that I might not be able to have children and no it's a real thing that would that would that would kill me inside because you know i'm married to love my life but we're gonna freeze your eggs yeah so that's what we decided we decided that we're gonna freeze the eggs this year because i'm not ready for a child in the sense of we're gonna freeze the eggs and the sperm yeah the sperm and the eggs but no but honestly like i am i am if if it wasn't for jake still looks like a swimming sperm (laughs) this (laughs) this conversation is uh (laughs) Let, let, let's move on to the IPO. You, we you respect guys, you. We what do you guys you. can't have this conversation? No, no, we could. Okay. Men can be emotional, babe. Yeah, yeah I understand, but this is not about being slip emotional. Aside, darling, this is aside. just about talking about pregnancy and babies, which scare men generally. Mm. I'm not scared. Nick's not scared. ready. Yeah, I'm just not ready either. So we're freezing her eggs. And we're not ready. And, and we're not ready. On. Yo, Jake's Jake's part of the pregnancy, no? <laughs> Jake, <but laughs> no, Jake no, is no, already no. our first kid. <laughs> You're not taking no, my sperm. Jock, You're not taking jock, my sperm. What babe. if what if I end up being bed rest? What the hell does that mean? That means I might be, have to be lying down in the bed for a year. Okay, babe, let's let's get the IPO and then we'll go. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not waiting for the IPO, babe. Oh, don't, don't tell people. No, the MDS baby's coming before that. In all seriousness. Yes. In all seriousness. I'm turning 30. You're turning 30 and we have a lot on the horizon. Yes, we do. And so it's fucking exciting. Now we we've been we've hinted now I think three times, right? Uh we dropped this word IPO. That's a scary word for a lot of people. Not sure why it's a scary word for a lot of people, but I do want to get into it, which is the IPO is something that is very important for every company to think about. Now, whether or not you use it, that's a different story. But I wanted to get into the episode and talk a little bit about why we feel that that may be the right play for us. Because at the end of the day, we get the number one thing that people say when you discuss an IPO is these are literally across the board. When I speak to regular people, bankers, this, oh, you know, like, why do you want to do that? It's so much pressure, so blah, much blah, extra blah, work. so much extra work. You have all this, the volatility, yada, yada, yada. And you hear all these words and sentences and they're not really valid arguments when you think about them. They're just like, Fear. It's, yeah, it just sounds like a lot of herd talk or just no knowledge on it. And like unaware, like at the end of the day, like I didn't even know that um, thing. And I, and I do invest in the market and I didn't even know three quarters of the things in there. So there's always room for learning too. And when, when I started to learn more about this IPO process, I started to realize it makes a lot more sense than other directions that we could have taken or that we should potentially take. You know, I think that people just don't know. And that's a big a curse of not having the knowledge is, is, is a big thing. And um, I don't think Leslie had the knowledge either. So yeah, no, I, we were, yeah, no, we were speaking about that the other day that knowledge curse is really a sad thing. It is a sad thing because but it lo- works in both ways. It does work in both ways. It really does work in both ways. Les, when you first heard about IPO, what was your take on the whole thing? Because I, I know, I know, it was it was something that was fearful for you. I mean, I like to make decisions based on like information that I know, and so if I don't know about like I. I don't know about the stock market because you invest in the stock market for us. So I don't understand everything about it. I don't 
fully understand the idea of IPOing. Now I do. We had a deep dive on it the other night. But basically, that was what was stressing me out because it's like, I can't get excited with you guys. I can't get hyped up if I don't really know what I'm getting hyped up about. And basically, the IPO is scary. Like, I'm not going to lie. After you explained it to me and I realized that, you know, if you're not backed by 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 somebody, I mean, there is a lot, a lot of risk, or right? Entity. Well, an entity, right? There's a lot of risk. So it is scary. But I think for what we're trying to do, that is the best route. After we discussed every option, I would agree with you guys that IPOing um, is where we need to be. And when I look at other brands that have done it, Amazon, Nike, uh, Lululemon. But there's reasons like- to why it's important. And that's that's kind of the distillation that I wanted to get into into the show, which was that when you're looking at potential financing mechanisms, because that's really all it is, right? It's a financing mechanism, is that you need to do what's best for the entity to unlock all the value that exists. And the problem is, and we're going to get into the problem of what Midday Squares is facing. And what Midday Squares is facing when we're going to private markets, and we're we're dealing with not we're not dealing with non-professional private market investors. We're dealing with the best of the best in terms of the food business. And a big trap that a lot of investors we see seem to be falling into is the idea of the hype trains of what is fast money on the market today, selling to other companies. And so you go to these investors and they're so drilled on the fact that you are an entity that should get growth as fast as possible so that they can sell you to another company when that is just not the reality of all companies. And so we keep getting met with this thing. Well, you know, why aren't you slapping a keto on your product or why aren't you uh, making, you know, no sugar um, pancake mix or whatever? I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Um, And those are viable businesses, but they're just not what we're trying to accomplish. And then when you speak to the investors and you start talking about brand mythology and what brand means and tribalism and what Nike and Lululemon have been able to accomplish, they don't get it. And then you say, well, look at the valuations of the public market. And then the number one answer that we get met with was, well, this isn't public. So private investors are operating in the non-public markets as if public markets don't exist. And that's just false. It's just false. And so at the end of the day, when we were looking at it and sitting around the table is how do you, if you are a brand facing company that really knows how to communicate with the public, that really knows how to create enthusiasm about what you are trying to do and make your logo or brand mean something, how do you unlock that value? And at this current stage in time, I really believe that the only way to unlock that value is the public markets. And so this goes back to what we were saying is that you don't just go public for the sake of going public. It's just a financing event. But you as an entrepreneur need to figure out what is the best mechanism to unlock the value that your company has hidden within. And private markets don't, in most of the private market funding does not take into account brand value. And that's the reason why public does take it into account. And that's a big difference right there. And we bet on brand value here at Midday Squares. And if we didn't, we'd be a commodity and company that's just selling for revenue, right? And I think that's the big difference that people don't know is, you know, you're, it's hard to get private money on brand. It's really hard because 
you know, at the end of the day, numbers are numbers and people are old school in private markets. That's how they've been doing it for the past, what, 100 years, 200 I years. I don't blame them, Jake. Either do I, because that's what they're trained. It's the, it's the knowledge they have. And, and also, and it's also herd mentality. And I was just speaking about this with another really big investor. And, and, and he was, he was like saying that it, it, they get trapped into herd mentality as well too. So the deal flow going by is, yeah, no kidding. Why the fuck would you want to invest in the short term and midday squares when we have machinery capex? So we have a manufacturing plant that you want to do. We spend more money in the areas of building brand than the average brand. We do all these things that are a lot harder when they're getting deal flow that's coming across their table that's, you know, oh, this company's flying at Costco and it's got margin, but my mom who's buying that brand has no fucking clue who that brand is. They're buying is. out of convenience. They're buying and out of convenience and distribution. Yeah. And yeah. that isn't. So, so, so then we were having the debate and what was the number one thing that you had, Les, that was a takeaway from that debate when I showed you some of those numbers? I mean, no, my, my takeaway was that will probably never be understood by investors that are just looking at the books right now. We just won't. It, it doesn't make sense. Because paper doesn't show yeah, the brand value. Exactly. And the thing is, um, we all know how valuable brand is. We're in it. We. I have a wicked uh, case study on brand that I'm willing to, to, yeah, to, uh, to and, share with everybody. And that's why I just think, like, you know, for us you need to know who you're speaking to. You need to know when you're, when you, when you walk into a room, you need to know who you're speaking to. And if you are speaking to the wrong crowd, it's never going to work. Right. So you got to find your right crowd and you got to speak to it. And, and Brandon is a real thing. So, okay. CEO of Dunkin' Donuts, you know, Dunkin' Donuts was, had a big turnaround that happened, right? They were, love they, that brand. yeah. So, but brilliant idea. I fucking love it. Jake loves Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, but I actually know about those American brands because I read about them and I, their stories are so fascinating from the change of the company, from where they've gotten, even Walmart had that at the beginning and then changed and is coming back at it with brand now. People, again, obviously they're doing crazy numbers, even Dunkin's doing crazy numbers, but they flipped their entire thing. And I know where you're getting with this because- no, But Duncan, he did a test. He did a, he did a factual did. test, a scientific test. That, that On is, brand? test. Okay, you okay, guys ready to do it? Yeah, this says crazy. So the new CEO that came in said, I am so, I'm such a huge believer in brand that I, we need to prove it to our shareholders. This is how we're going to prove it. They started buying a chain called Mr. Donut. I know what it is. Yeah, no, but swear. You saw, Let, you know Mr. Donut? They had the coffee curries. No? Are you guys ready for this? Yeah, <laughs> his he took a scientific approach, which means take a variable, compare it to another variable, change nothing but one thing. So he took X amount of Mr. Donuts. He just bought them to prove brand at this point. That's wild. Changed the name to Dunkin' Donuts. Left everything the same on the inside. Manager store everything. Sales shot up thirty five percent in the wow. stores that they changed the name to Dunkin' Donuts. That in and of itself was proof. Now wait, to go the extra mile in the areas that Mr. Donut had bigger brand value than Dunkin' Donuts, when they changed the name to Dunkin' Donuts, down. sales dropped by 15%. Wow. I cool. That's crazy, but I have an easier way to explain brand. You know, you go to the grocery store, you have three cereals, you're going for your cereal that you want to go for. It's whatever name, it's called X, okay? And you go show up to the store and the shelf is empty. What do you do? This is how you define brand. 
A, you go, you go and ask the clerk, do you have more in the back? And you wait. Yeah. B, you look and take another brand because you're like, okay, whatever. You take Y or Z because you're hungry and you just leave the store. C, you ask the clerk, find out if it's there. And if it's not there, Order you it. go, no, you go look at another store to find that thing. If you have C, then take your motherfucking company, company public because your value should be way higher than the brand value that you're going to have in your private market A. Do because we have C? Yeah. We, <laughs> what I always said, the most powerful thing is, is when someone goes to a store and they can't find our product, they go to another store right away. They go on that scavenger hunt. And we've seen it many times where a lot of our customers, and we love you guys for doing that, to be honest. The fact that they even take time yeah. is, is amazing. Because we're in a world, and especially now in a pandemic world, where, you know, I guess going to places isn't the most comfortable for certain people. People are still doing that scavenger hunt. I just got a message the other day. I went to six stores to find your bust of peanut, and it wasn't there, and I wasn't discouraged. But when I found it, it was the best fucking feeling I've had. <laughs> you, guys, you guys didn't disappoint. And that kind of message is where the public is and where the valuation of companies can give because guess who's investing in public? The people that are doing those scavenger hunts, they see the value, they see the glasses that we're wearing. Some private market investors, they're very talented and they're good at what they do and kudos to them, but they're good at what they do. And that's what they do is the private market. Exactly. Like that, that. No, but what's fucked up, Jake, is and that just, that just made me think of something crazy is you literally, to have a seismic outcome, a seismic outcome, and this is what makes me laugh about <laughs> what. Why are you guys that laughing? Word size, like like seismic? super seismic is hot too. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I just find seismic is the best way to describe something of large magnitude, yeah, right? I it's like just, that word. <laughs> seismic. Seismic. So to have a seismic outcome that is on average, we speak about this all the time. You you have to bet on unaveraged playbooks. Yeah. So, but what, this is where the investors fall into the trap is they're all betting on the same playbook, which right. is the average. So they're going to have median returns. Right. They will they will revert to the median. Maybe mean, they're playing sorry, the risk. The maybe mean. they're playing the risk reward. Exactly. I think. I think a lot of. I think a lot of uh, food investors are just looking for doubles and triples. To be honest. Whereas when you go into the and there's nothing wrong with doubles and triples. By no, the way. because it's sustainable business. Yeah. Midday Squares is doing something that that hasn't been done before, and I I don't I don't mean to say this in a, narcissistic in a narcissistic way, but basically I've spoken. So basically everyone knows we're hiring right now for. Uh, like cred director marketing, and I've spoken to some people from some really large food brands. Yes, and even really we, large Nike too. And we've spoken to someone from Nike, Sid Lee. Yeah, and I I actually even just spoke with somebody also from the, some people we worked with on the Adidas campaign. And basically, uh, the one common thing that I'm getting is from everybody is like, you're doing something CPG has never seen. You're turning your brand, which is a product, into a lifestyle brand. And it's pretty fucking epic. And they keep saying, like, you actually don't need anybody from CPG. You need somebody from lifestyle, from fashion, because you guys are doing something that the food market has never seen. The CPG food market has never seen. And that's why investors don't understand us. Because part of our core values right now is be okay with being misunderstood. For a long time. For a really long time until you're not. But the... I would or say or never will be understood. Yeah. yeah. That's even harder. <laughs> no, but people are literally saying what we're doing is groundbreaking. But are, but but you know who will always be understood by? Who? Ourselves. Our customers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ourselves, our family. Yeah, our right? family. They're an extension of us. But 100%. but also like I, I don't think we talked about in the IPO process is that it's also cool forget about private money. Public money and public funding is to juice the company to go to get bigger, bigger, grow, to get their mission across, right? But our customers finally now have an opportunity to actually be on this journey with us financially. That means they're committed not only consuming our product, 
but to actually being advocates win, spread a, winning or failing with us yeah and that is powerful that, that was the most exciting part for exactly. me exactly it's the I'll same thing as the reviews it's the same thing i'll tell you when we sat down and really thought about how we were going to become the world like a world top five brand um the ipo wasn't there for the financing it was that we absolutely like tesla oh yeah think about it tesla has an army of people that are willing to fucking die with tesla they, they fight. They, they legislate. Fight. They fight. They do everything. Like, they do everything. And I respect the fuck out of that. Yeah. I respect. That's no bullshit. Yeah. I don't think it's bullshit. No. Everybody's sitting here talking about that it's fraud. It's fraud. It's fraud. Man, you, 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 you know what the problem is? I was just on a war on Twitter yesterday. Les, <laughs> talk about my war on okay. Twitter. No, but Nick came. We had lunch at home. and basically, you fight with? Basically, he's about like. the subject matter. I'm trying to talk to him about something, and I just see that he's like Stress. so Stress. into his phone. I'm like, who are you texting? And he's like, no, I'm in a Twitter war. I'm like, about what? But it's very common to be in Twitter wars, by yeah. the way. It's but it was, the it most was common thing. By the way, it was a respectable Twitter yeah, war. Yeah, it's under control. Yeah, it was. Uh, I liked the people I was debating with yesterday. We respect <laughs> each other. Yeah. A debate, <laughs> a friendly debate a friendly to debate. get to an actual outcome of something. And we actually did get to an outcome. It was actually pretty impressive. What was the outcome? So the outcome was that there was a black or white statement that was made. I don't like black or white statements do because I. life is not black or white. No, it's so abstract. And so, <laughs> no, but it's the truth. <laughs> and 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 a statement Abstract. was made that basically I don't understand how generational wealth keeps on getting made with companies that are not producing cash flow for their uh for, for their businesses and, oh, and you really must have got into this yeah oh yeah a stab was made at Tesla yeah, yeah. a stab was made at uh, a few things and so my my beef is for every Tesla there's bad actors on the market so Nikola <laughs> Motors is a bad actor okay they scammed the market let's call it what it is yeah but the problem is is that the world thinks this thing is all about cash flow. If that was true, art wouldn't have a value. Mm. Why does art keep going up in value? It doesn't produce fucking anything. It sits on a fucking wall and does nothing, but the values keep increasing. Why? Because two people are willing to transact at a certain price and there's a value that's been denominated because of our crazy human abstracts. Same thing with money. Like don't fucking tell me that money's actually worth anything. It's not worth anything. It's just worth it because we all say it and there's laws and I was just having shit. this conversation yesterday. So to sit here and say that cash flows are the only thing that matters, I do agree over the long term, cash flows are the most important thing. But when you have an army of people that understand that Elon is literally trying to decrease the cost, electric cars are unsustainable. And he said that now the only way to sustain it is to build factories of capacity that allow the battery cost to go lower. If you believe in that, you believe in Tesla. It's that fucking simple. Right. And the army bets into it and they bet into it because they see the future value of what's trying to be created. And so... My beef is, is that it's not black or white. And there you go. Case in point, Tesla, people that buy Teslas buy the fucking clothes, the, hat. the hats, <laughs> the this, the stocks, they will go to war. Yeah. And that's what brand it's is. the hottest thing. And that's Shout why, out Elon. Shout out Elon. So now. <laughs> and what did he do? He gave 150% in everything he had from his last venture to all his ventures, actually. And he kept on going, right? And that's what I love about that guy. He, he doesn't care if he goes bankrupt personally bankrupt he gave it from what was it paypal the company was up before yep 
He gave, gave it all. Everything. Could you imagine having a successful thing like PayPal under your under your belt? Come on, you you sit down and t- no, take a beach. No, but it's buddy. not about that for him. Exactly. It's about doing great things for the world. But he does that, and he's putting up. He's gonna put a place on Mars. He's gonna put someone on Mars. No, but it's like so crazy that people just love to have oh, opinions and hate, and it's it's really sad. It's like this person's out there. Giving everything. Can I say a hot story before you for Soul Circle about hate? Yeah, and then we have family feuds. Yeah, but no, but it's so hot. You like Ray Kroc, so. Um, so I Ray, love Ray Kroc. So do you know, guys, that do you guys know when McDonald's was having they were having really big problems about people saying that there was earthworms in their beef? No, I don't and remember it that. It was huge. No, no, yeah, not, fake we news. Lot, But it was no, no. But it, it was deme- it was de- it was uh, detrimental to McDonald's. Something about larva, right? Being yeah, in there. It, but it was horrible. Uh. They were fighting him, and what he did is he didn't even panic. He came in. One of the fam- most famous CEOs came in and said. You know how expensive a beef patty is? <laughs> you know, and you know how expensive earthworms is? It would cost us too much to sell it. <laughs> and that stuck with the world because what he did was he he did the sticky idea. He showed people the unexpected. It's $6 for earthworms. It's a dollar for a beef patty. If I put that, you ain't paying for that. So there's no chance. <laughs> and Ray Kroc is just one of those guys that told a story, got it out there, built McDonald's. It was one of the biggest brands in the world. People wear McDonald's clothing. They buy McDonald's. What's it? Ronald McDonald or something? We all love McDonald's. I don't forget about the food aspect of it, but the idea no, makes yeah. you happy. No, but Come on. Even it McDonald's, makes, if you don't like it's it, it's a brand. People bring their kids there every it's Sunday. The you know, you, you get park. a treat. Yeah, you park, you go to the thing. And and one of the common denominators between all these great brands, uh, sorry, these great CEO brands, you know what the common denominator is? They all spoke to their consumers and worried only about their consumers. Yeah. All of them. Like, that's what makes Elon today so special is that he just addresses the Tesla consumer. He literally gives no fucks about anybody else but the Tesla consumer and what they're trying to accomplish. Now, another thing that's super important is we got Felicia in the studio. Our, our mother. Our mother's outside the window. My mother-in-law is outside the She's window. The She's weasel. crazy. <laughs> I'm just off the wall. But last, last piece on this IPO metric is that Another point that I wanted to prove of why brand was so uh, important. So we went on the um, TSX and we pulled up all of, it's not just the TSX, the New York Stock Exchange as well too. We pulled up all the big CPG companies, like big CPG companies that are selling, I would say 70% of the shit that you see in a grocery store. And you know what they were all trading at? One times revenue, one fucking times revenue that is useless on the market, okay? Which means that the consumer sees no growth value, no nothing, no enthusiasm, no brand. Can I say something about tickers and stuff? Yeah. So I just, I got it. We got, we got, you and I actually got an email this morning and um, it's very interesting. It's very relatable. So the American market has tickers for the public companies like Tyson Food, Kraft Heinz Company, Mondelez, General Mills, Conagra, Dream Foods Companies, Campbell Soup. Campbell Soup actually has a brand. Um, Hormel Foods. Then Canadian market has um, just Maple Leaf Food, George Weston Limited, Saputo, and Highliner Food Inc. I can't even tell you. I can't tell you. And I'm in the food industry. Half of those brands, what they are. No, same. That's what scares me. These companies are public. But I think there's a there's a there's a ticker like MDS that could fit oh. in there no? and be the be the one that stands the fuck out, and All that's right. why I just got so fired up by this. It's I, just, it, I it, saw this, I got fired. It's up. the truth because I already know all those multiples that you just told me one times value, except for Coca Cola, except for Coca Cola. So wait, then we go up the ladder, and to prove the point that I'm trying to explain of why brand matters, the second you start getting into Coca Cola, Nike, um, Lululemon, multiples go from one. 
to six to eleven. Can you explain people what you're talking about? The multiple. Okay, so multiple is is uh, on revenue you get multiplied out. So let's say you did a hundred dollars of revenue in one year and your multiple was one, your company's worth one hundred dollars. Whereas a brand like Coca-Cola, Nike, Lululemon, they're $100 to the public because of the brand value and the growth prospects that are there is worth $1,100 or $600. So anywhere from $600 to $1,100. All these food companies like Tyson, blah, 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 Saputo, one times. If they did $100 of revenue, they're worth $100. Think about that for a second. Go do your own research there is inherent value in being a brand and the private markets just don't fucking get that. What's cool about that is you should, in your, you should show your, your thing that you sent Leslie and I and I other people. Um, what I found really cool about it is there was a company doing $400 million a year or it was $200 million, I can't remember what it was. And their value was the same as a company that was doing like $2 billion. So it's not all about revenue. No. And that's the key is people don't, I think as we get, as we grow and we're seeing a lot more IPOs in our food category with brands actually, or trying to be brands that are going that route and it's becoming more common and less uncommon. And like, I think people think it's crazy when we say it, but I think if we were to say it t- five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, people would literally like not look at you. Yeah. They wouldn't even, they, they wouldn't, they would say like, I don't even see anywhere you're coming from in this thing. But I think today people are starting to realize it a little more because brands are growing in today's world and brands are taking over the conglomerate space in all the retail stores and all the online, you know, I guess real estate in quotations. Um, and I think that like at the end of the day, it's cool to see that. It's cool to see that people are actually becoming more and more willing and more and more understanding towards something like an IPO. Oh, it doesn't yeah. seem so corporate Wall Street world. Uh, 110%. And so... At the end of the day, I think the moral of the story is that, you know, when you look at the markets, just make sure you're extracting the best possible value for what you are as a company. And don't let anybody ever fucking tell you that what you think is crazy or that you're not, you're not, you're, you're not seeing it straight or you're out to lunch. Because if you do your homework and you have your facts, then that's what you got to do and you got to do what's best. When we go look at our growth opportunity, we literally have tested Mexico, UK, US, South Africa. Do you know how much it's going to cost to build fucking factories all over the world? Do you know how much capital is required to do that? But the revenue growth opportunity, everybody sees it. And that's why we need to access public markets. And I would suggest for you to stop thinking that private markets are the only way to go. Um, and, and, and that's really it on that note. Les, do you want to uh, have an end cap? Wait. Very important question for Shoot. other entrepreneurs thinking about this route. Do you think that there is a time or a revenue marker or something when you can unlock that public market? Or is there like, cause you can't just start, at z- oh, people do start it at zero out in future growth. Penny stocks. Those, yeah, like, like the, sk- the s- <laughs> frauders and continue. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to say this. I've seen literally at this point in time, everything I've seen a company go public. So MTY groups one of like is one of the most like success, biggest success stories from the TSX. That guy went public at like $5 million in revenue. Really? Yeah. And in, in the, in, in the late nineties, how did it go? Uh, he was misunderstood for a very long time. He went, he used the uh, reverse takeover on the TSX venture, basically penny stock game. Everyone that's, you know, that's usually dodgy for mining corporations and stuff like that. 
Um, but he had a real business vision. He wanted to buy up all of the restaurants and food courts. Which he did. Which he did. And he wanted to own all of the leases. And then basically once he was in power, he renegotiated all of his leases for profit because he literally owned all the food court. So they had no choice but to negotiate with him. Because he was such a powerhouse. And uh, yeah, and he graduated to be a a real, real, real uh, threat in TSX. I mean, so no, there's no real perfect time for anything. But, you know, uh, based on some of the stuff I've been meeting with, with bankers that have taken a lot of good companies public uh, in Canada, we're looking at if you're in our food space, um, 20 million forward earnings. So you're forward 12 months. If you're at around 20 million in revenue, you can pretty much justify uh, an IPO. 1.8 million a month. Let's go. And uh, Les, give us some, we haven't heard your voice in the last half year. Well, no, I'm just listening, honestly. She's learning. I'm learning, listening. You guys are very passionate about this stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm more of the creative, you know. I I get excited about other things, you know. The creative is one of the most important parts of this. Yeah, I know, I know. The brand has to keep building, baby. The engine's got to keep going, baby. Got a lot of pressure. The the largest part of the value that we talked about lays in your hands. I know. But what was interesting was today's show was your idea. Yes, I know, oh, wow. but I, I like listening to you guys because it inspires me. But basically, as you guys are talking, I'm just thinking, you know, how am I going to continue telling this story? And uh, it pumps me up. And it starts by what we're about to go do, which is uh, for everybody that doesn't know, <laughs> we are auditioning for Family Feud uh, as the Midday Squares family. We thought it would be epic um, to just go on that and, show and, and have wait, a little bit of fun. Another really big thing is Jake and I were nominated for Forbes 30 Under 30 oh, Food yeah, and Beverage. Snap, so snaps, snaps, snaps to that. Snaps, snaps, yeah, snaps, it's pretty snaps. hot. <laughs> like, no, that's like really hot. I know. And it went, it, I, listen, I, I hope we get it. And it would be so cool if her and I could stand next to each other in a photo at Forbes 30 Under 30 just together. Like That's literally a dream. It, it's a dream come true for Midday Square's family, for our family, for everyone. It, again, this is part of your guys' journey too. This allows us to grow and unlock new new levels. Basically, again, this is my last shot at it. Babe, but you're going to have shots at many other things in this world because you're creating <laughs> one of the biggest brands in the world. That being said, I just want to shout out Stacy Kravitz from UNFI because yes. Nick, Nick doesn't wear... Nick wears hats all the time, but he doesn't change them. And he's finally put on this <laughs> UNFI Canada front line I fucking hat, love it. And he loves it. So it shout out to the UNFI crew. Um, we appreciate it. I wear them too. Leslie is but the, not okay, a hat person. So if you guys have a brand or anything, any company, when you make merch, make it sick. Yeah, because but if that's you actually make, nice though. It is. If you make it sick, people wear it. If you make shitty merch, nobody oh, yeah. wears it. It's that simple. And if you want people to be walking billboards, make sick stuff. On that note, it is Friday. We are getting ready to go celebrate Les's 30th this weekend. We're letting, we're letting loose as a team. Good we haven't let loose. Only. We haven't let loose like this That's in a while. That's our first time in two years. Oh, I can't wait. When can't was last, are we going to show people? Yeah, a little bit. A uh, little just bit. a little bit because I, I you know, There's, I want to, I'm conservative. I, I want it to be a private I want it to be a private moment, you know, but I'm saying. So, but Les, it's part, but it's part of the story. Happy fucking birthday. Excited for this weekend. Everybody, don't anybody tell you you cannot do whatever the fuck you want to do Use that's impossible the, is motivation yes always bulldoze down the walls we are gonna fucking take this company to new heights midday squares 2.0 three two one ole 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 Midday Squares Uncensored. That's a wrap. As always, submit any questions you have at MiddaySquares.com slash podcast questions. Have an epic weekend and see you on the next one. <laughs>